Welcome to the show. You can watch and subscribe to the Project FIA TV show on YouTube. Drop comments and questions to us on the podcast via Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Project FIA Goes PC. Hi, everyone. So uh, it's been quite a while for us here uh, in the Treehouse No Leaves since we last talked to you. This is episode number 93 of FI Goes PC. As always, I'm your host, Rebel Zen, aka Danny Hale. And just to continue with that, there's a lot of people in the UK right now, and they're going to be like, something's different. Something's, something's changed a bit today. What's going on? Why is it really quiet? Well, that's because all the kids have gone back to school. I'm just going to tell you that because that, that's what's happened. We've, we've been given the liberty, folks, of sending our kids back to school in the UK. That's good, I guess. That's one step closer to freedom, I suppose. Talking about freedom, I'm sat opposite our producer right now who's throwing tennis balls into a jam jar. I'm not sure why, but that's what you've been doing. It's your new exercise program isn't that right when say hello hello it's a very difficult skill and only i can do it so when you perfect it do people call you jammy <laughs> no because it's a very hard thing to get a tennis ball into a jam jar Especially i mean it's a big if... jam jar <laughs> I was gonna say it's got to be a big one it's kind of <laughs> like one of these uh you know like industrial size jam jars mm-hmm. that you get in costco not that i'm selling costco and i don't have a sponsorship problem <laughs> honestly uh yeah yeah costco they're like, uh, we have this thing in the UK called Macro, and it was like this wholesaler, retailer, and Costco is the current American version of that. I think Macro is American, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I was likely. very 80s. Uh, Costco here isn't the same. There's a few of them. I've never been. There's a here. few of them. Yeah. It's kind of like um, a supermarket if you kind of threw steroids at it. A warehouse then. Wow. <laughs> it's somewhere between a... Yeah, like, I think the closest thing in Europe would be a hypermarket. Mm. But it's the kind of stuff we saw in south of Spain when we went to the... I'm just showing you what it was like to travel once upon a time. (laughs) Remember that? Uh, So they had a new shopping mall in Spain and they had this huge kind of hypermarket, which I'd never seen in Spain prior to that. Yeah, memories of traveling. It feels like we're going to, if we stay in this too long, kids are going to be raised thinking that we're all compulsive liars. You couldn't leave the country. What are you talking about? (laughs) There's no such thing as a plane. Isn't it weird how when you actually hear a plane in this day and age, it's like, wow, you know, we used to take that for granted, eh? It was getting quite crazy at one point, actually, air traffic. Because I remember always thinking like, I had this thought as a kid thinking like, you know, planes are going to become the new taxis around the world. Mm. I especially saw when I was living in the USA is that the plane transport is as frequent as a bus. Yeah. It's crazy frequent. It's an Airbus. Yeah. Like to most countries in the world, that sounds absurd, right? I know what you did there. I'm ignoring it. <laughs> I 747 you off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was funny. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm still ignoring it. So, base Airbus rolls eyes. Um, basically, by the way, folks, I think that's one of the first and only puns winners killed herself with her own humor. So, I'm going to have to revive her in a minute by putting solar panels on her head and 
get more energy into you her brain. You hurt my feelings. Really? By ignoring Oh, no, I, I just moved on quickly. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give you the comedic space, to be honest. You might have a fan base. That'd terrify me. I'm joking. Uh, of course you got a fan base. Lots of them are air conditioning units. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, the, the whole roots of transporting USA, when you're there, you, you really, it's quite weird now, like the reflection. Um, but when you're, when you're living there, the, the amount of flights that people take mm. state to state, yeah. ridiculous. It's crazy. Compared to Europe, we don't, we never had that. Like it wasn't free flowing. Mm -hmm. Like Europe is kind of in landmass, obviously is a bit bigger. But it's kind of like you really only associate traveling, say, from the UK to France or Spain to Germany, if you're in Spain to Germany, as a holiday, yeah. as a tourism thing. But it really isn't as unified as the USA is in the fact that everyone goes there for a job. For example, I'm a comedian in LA yeah, and I've got a gig in New York, take a plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, even in Hong Kong, you know, if you have like uh, you have choices because of the different airlines, uh, if you're flying to London, do you want a morning flight, an afternoon flight or an evening flight? Oh, you missed your flight. Oh, there's one in like, you know, the next day as opposed to, oh, next week. Well, it's also commercially. It, it reflects on the expense in America. Mm. Now, you could be a cynic and say that's because they control a lot of the oil. <laughs> mm. right mm -hmm. but it's like you know it's a 25 but ticket to get to like new york from la i'm mm. southwestern or something could even be less than that and they'll do it like a normal scheduled week i've got to do a gig in new yeah, york yeah, then yeah. i'm going to wisconsin and, and I'll you can to, just buy it yeah alabama and like a bus alabama <laughs> alabama i don't know where i went alabama <laughs> that's super bus don't do that uh, i'm from alabama sweet home alabama yeah um crazy um it's just so odd because to think in the uk like they they started doing this before lockdown mm. but you could get london to like edinburgh flights yeah which is the entire almost not the entire but it's the big city to the biggest city in scotland yeah, from the right? south to the north and it's like literally a 20 minute flight if mm. that which makes us feel really pathetic <laughs> it's like going from one end of florida to the other end of florida to be honest mm. um the weird thing for me is how much of a luxury that feels. Mm. Whereas in the USA, you probably would do that. It's a necessity. It's like I'm going to Miami to Orlando. What normal? Twenty minutes in the air, fine. Yeah. That's the thing that's really incredible. Like how different it is. So when you when you now in this time, it was starting to get to the point though where air traffic in Europe was getting quite busy. Mm. You'd hear like tons of flights. You'd see in the sky loads of little trail marks mm -hmm. uh you know chemtrails i love to talk to conspiracy theorists you'll see a lot of chemtrails in the sky in crisscrossy ways almost like you could play uh noughts and crosses in the sky it was pretty busy and now maybe three months every once in three months you'll hear a play mm. it's really weird strange stuff i don't know if they're redirecting airlines because i know there's a lot of people traveling still even though Probably. they shouldn't be some it's people are thing. allowed. You're just not allowed to do it for leisure. So if you have to do it for business, then you can. Yeah. Yeah, it's just odd. It's just odd to see how clear our skies are. Mm. It's very strange. Because you, you used to hear that engine a lot. I mean, we're in a flight path of Birmingham Airport mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And you just don't hear it. One thing that happened here 
it's strange feeling folks like especially those of you listening in america right now it's been a strange feeling ever since i left la in sort of 2015 when had gone back to hong kong to be with the people uh, her tribe people. well you can only leave your tribe for so long before they kick you out of the tribes so you have to keep going back to your tribe mm-hmm. doing all these shamanistic rain dances that you do in uh, china you know uh like eating dim sum uh, eating dim sum mm-hmm. uh, that that's code so that's important. obviously spy code for something <laughs> i mean you guys and your dim sum spy code uh and your noodles i don't know that mm-hmm. means something obviously uh but basically I noticed this energy impact of the UK swinging towards this kind of LA vibe. Mm. And you couldn't really put your finger on it. Like LA was becoming cynical. Yeah. Even back then, 2015, there was hints to me that the magic was over. Like something was going on, right? Uh, When I got back to the UK, it was almost like things had been all the good stuff or the things that had been good in Los Angeles in the latter years almost had... um, transmuted themselves here transposed uh trans flangled trans transmitted (laughs) transatlantic transposed over to here we're just going through trans Trans agendas (laughs) trans sexuals trans that's a whole conversation uh basically the First thing I noticed was there was a lot more international people in Birmingham, mm-hmm. which was really mind blowing. Mm. We're talking Korean, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking Japanese. I heard a few Japanese voices. Filipino, a couple of Filipinos. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of lot of Chinese, a lot South more Chinese. Americans? There was some South Americans, yeah. uh, like from Cape Town, South America. No, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Johannesburg, <laughs> South America. Yeah, a lot more South Americans, a lot of Argentinian, a lot of... Um, which is great, by the well. way, because we have a bad history of Argentina. Uh, Falkland Islands, not to that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, international city. But you were seeing that. This is like 2015, right? So you were seeing this, this literal different imprint happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot more onus in the Midlands to become kind of the expansion area outside of London. The new so, London. Yeah, the new London, neo-London. More things were happening, okay? Mm-hmm. The ground soil's changing, but over the time, in that time particularly, there was even more things. One of it was flights being a lot more uh, in volume, but there was a lot of stuff. And recently, if you think about now, we're having... <laughs> this is something I never thought I'd say in a sentence. We had... The same weather as Texas in February. By mm. that I mean snow. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's been really bad There's over there. There's been some really strange stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, I always have this vibe that, say, I said about in the climate change conversation, but I always think if there is going to be a shift in the polarization of the planet, it means other places will be hotter and other places will be colder. Certain mm-hmm. islands will disappear and certain islands will be realized, actualized. They'll come into fruition. Um, I say that because it's kind of more, I think, what's going on. Mm. Uh, but I think, I think David Attenborough said it right when he said, Sir David Attenborough said, we should be mindful of the things we can do to destroy the planet. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we're guilty of destroying the yeah. planet. It just means that we have to see it. Correlation. Yeah, correlation. We are definitely doing things to destroy things in this planet, yeah. right? But we're not alone. The planet itself destroys itself yeah. quite happily. There are, there you are know? natural causes. Yeah. Well. yeah. Um, but 
I don't want to go into that, but I'm just kind of saying like, it's interesting how this stuff is happening. Like to, for Texas, especially Austin, that's unheard of. There's places in Texas that can get quite cold because they're up in the uh, altitude or they're not up in the altitude. The altitude is a nightclub in the sky, apparently. I just created it. Uh, they're up, they're high in altitude. Mm-hmm. They're raised above sea level. Yes. <laughs> I like how I'm explaining this. Uh, they've got a bad altitude and they're naughty. <laughs> and they give you altitude. Stupid. They give you that altitude. Naughty, yeah. They're in the playground giving you altitude. And it's like, stop Attitude. It. Whatever. Uh, like, you know, when you get really high, it's because you climbed a mountain. Everyone knows that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, What's your point? I haven't got a point. I'm just riffing. The construct is that the weather has this hundred year rotational like it got that cold in in certain early historians uh charts of texas mm. it's been that cold yeah, before yeah, yeah. right right it's when you have weather that just does not make sense yeah trees are going upside down what <laughs> that doesn't make sense like oh i woke up this morning got a palm tree growing upside down in my living room what i mean that's a little far-fetched but when <laughs> you know snow is falling from the ground up what yeah yeah, weather is kind of just a strange thing. Strange Very thing. Uh, large cycles, hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Who knows? Who knows? We don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's it's anything like there's a 20-year cycle, there's a 40-year cycle, there's a 60-year cycle, there's an 8-year cycle, and there's a historical 100-year cycle. What people don't understand is there's been a lot of volcanic activity. Mm-hmm. Iceland has had a lot of it. Yeah recently here i remember when it was when uh it happened last time and uh oh yeah all like the planes were grounded but it was that. it wasn't iceland last time it was somewhere um i think it was was it yeah i, well, it was I thought iceland it was somewhere well. more central europe or east like it was uh, scandinavian it was definitely that kind of yeah, cold been, country <laughs> yeah iceland i mean wouldn't it be funny if it was just an ironic name and it was actually a subtropical paradise mm. <laughs> we just called it iceland to be funny you know uh icelandic uh beautiful country extremely volcanic mm. a bit like hawaii but very cold i would explain it because it is similar like south pacific islands have some wildlife that's only there yeah you know uh most of them are samoans uh they're wildlife that's only in samoa <laughs> you know like they're samoans they're only in samoa uh i always used to call samoa semolina because i had this brain defect <laughs> You know, when you're a kid and you, yeah. I always thought, miss, that's a Semolinian. Yeah, that's funny. Um, but I basically. I think wrinkles were rainbows. Of course you did. I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole thing, kids. <laughs> I couldn't kids... get my head around the, the silent W. Really? Yeah. Because it was silent. Well, technically it is. Unless you've got a lisp. And then it's very prevalent. <laughs> the same um so that's a tangent so anyway i wasn't going to talk about weather i'm just i'm finding things to muse upon and the, that was all yeah it's all random because i was thinking You're wow because i heard a plane and i was like that is so rare there's a plane wow yeah it's a unicorn what's going on and then i saw pete running after it he's gonna kill the unicorn well, he, any anything that resembles a unicorn will run after mm. if it's a myth or very rare he runs after it <laughs> a bit like the olympics when he got all of that stuff for the 2020 olympics that mm-hmm. that's gonna be rare really happened <laughs> uh 
yeah. irrelevant He merch. really did shop for tourism stuff that has no point. Strange. And they've delayed the World Expo as well, which was meant to be 2020. The Osaka one? No, the um, Dubai one. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Because that's been pushed to this year, and I think it's still optimistic this year. Mm-hmm. It's very weird what's going on. Maybe this... <laughs> You know, it's funny, isn't it? Because you always go back in time and you'll see these things. People in a hundred years time are going to go back to why didn't the Olympics happen in that fourth year? And then it's it's such a weird time in our history as people. Mm. It really is. So move swiftly from climate and planes and how rare they are. Because <laughs> that sounds stupid to me already. I mean... I haven't heard a plane since I played GTA 5 last time. Uh, there's a lot of planes still going on in that. Uh, they should have totally done a pandemic patch for GTA 5. Oh. It would have been so funny if you're locked down. No. That yeah, would have and, been and, and, and the, the cops are after you if you're the street. The cops are street. after you if you've gone three meters yeah. outside of your house. And then it's like <laughs> ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. They missed opportunity, really. So... I've been watching a lot of YouTube stuff and like I wanted to just kind of focus on it for a bit because some of it really got me wound up in the wrong way, I should say. Okay. Our audience in this podcast, very international, mm-hmm. very sophisticated. Uh, we know because they don't comment. <laughs> and people who are educated don't comment. No, they don't. To be honest. They watch it and move on. <laughs> sure. Well, it's entertainment. and then yeah. We appreciate that, by the way, that you don't comment. We'd like a few of you to comment but if you uh, don't but if you don't we see on. it as a non-troll action and we're quite <laughs> happy with it yeah <laughs> uh some people i think are just shy mm. i think they need about three or four people making comments before they go oh i can say something uh you shouldn't feel shy uh we will directly highlight you and probably <laughs> be very offended unless you're giving us praise but uh you shouldn't be shy that's the important message that's putting off the shy people already I don't know. Like the whole thing is I'm very anti the kind of YouTube rhetoric, like Mm -hmm. our stuff, subscribe to our stuff. There's an incentive. I'll eat a packet of crayons if you get us up to (laughs) 15,000. I'm not into that stuff. It's not organic to me. Look, you can say what I want and I'm not going to debate it. But to me, art is art. Mm. Entertainment is entertainment. You see it. You enjoy it. If you don't, you don't watch it. The end. Move on. There's something for everyone. Yeah, if you're entertained, success. If you're entertained, great. And if most people are entertained by it, it becomes a mass popular thing. Mm. Everyone starts talking about it, it becomes a fashion. I think today there's too much programming in the way people like stuff. For example, right. you know, watch a guy go and windsurfing if windsail falls into a shark's mouth or something like this. Mm. And everyone's watching it. It's got like tons of hits. Uh, most of it's shock factor. Mm. And everyone's talking about it. Did you see that dude with the windsail and he fell into a shark? That was crazy. Right? So people are talking about it. That's the word of mouth thing. It mm-hmm. still works. Mm-hmm. And that's a natural organic thing. Yeah. But if it's a setup, if someone had CGI'd that, yeah, right. faked it, and then because they've got the fortune it would take to CGI that video, mm-hmm. they'd probably bought 15,000 subscriptions, a bunch of bots, and aligned it to the point where they'll get into the algorithm. Yeah, that's right. The construct is it's fake. Yeah. And yet people are still talking about it and still giving mm-hmm. it credence and so, or whatever. I don't like things like that. So I'm from the old school folks of when I was in music, a lot of my background in, in life was from live performance. So theater and music. Mm-hmm. And if you did something as a band on stage, you know if you're good and you know if you're bad the first gig you ever play. 
most people won't speak like that. It's too controversial. Okay, but it's true. Because you're either a band that goes on stage and you're good, but no one remembers you. They just had a good time. They remember the time they had, but mm. they don't remember your music. Right. Then you're not, essentially, you're a hobby band. You might be a covers band or something like this. Mm -hmm. But if you play your own stuff, go on stage, everyone by the end of the night has stored it to memory and is humming your song. Mm -hmm. First gig, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Then you're good enough. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I don't, there's a lot of school of thoughts on this where it's like practice makes perfect. For sure mm. it does. But it's also a case that if you have a base talent, a raw talent, yeah. You will be seen that that talent will be seen day one. Case in point, if you've watched any talent show on TV, be it X Factor, The Voice, uh, Britain's Got Talent, US has got talent, Mexico's got talent, Iraq's got talent. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Sudan doesn't have much talent. What? <laughs> That's a great show. I mean, you're not saying Sudan doesn't have much talent. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Sounds like a parody. <laughs> I don't know why singles to that. I was sorry, know why. <laughs> you got loads of talent. What am I talking about? Um, you know what I mean. Mm. Day one, you'll see the talented people, and you go, "Well, they're talented." Yeah, there's a spark. Yeah, of course, yeah. you won't forget them. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it? Doesn't there surprise anyone that that guy at the start is that guy at the end, and now he's got a record contract yeah. and his household name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't surprise you. Of course, sometimes it's rigged folks hate mm -hmm. to break it to you but it is you know that one plant that's been in the industry for 20 years already <laughs> but anyway so this is kind of like youtube especially is the hip thing when i was a kid it was bands yeah and it, it you know before the internet well it's like yeah it, well no the internet was very much there when i was <laughs> like before jesus I'm not that old um before um before we wrote and we had stone tablets and we were carving with chisels. Um, I wasn't around for the Beatles, so I'm not that old. Mm. Basically, the Beatles started the frenzy of live music. It really was a big thing in the industry. And that lasted really until the 90s. 2000, interestingly, to sort of 2005 was the death of it. After that, something happened where all the labels in the world kind of turned into one or two labels. So, you know, like all of the record companies just yeah, bought out all the small yeah, ones. Record shops dissolved, mm -hmm. became online sales mostly. Yeah. HMV stayed, thank goodness. But in the UK, yeah. I mean, this sounds weird if you're from America, but you know, in America, you, you, it all went to Best Buy, really. Tower Records went, Virgin yeah. went, all of that went. We have a situation here where you look at it like, so there was once this boom of, say, I don't know, all these venues. So gigs, if you bought a gig venue, like you ran a bar and it had a stage in it, it was huge, huge business. Okay, but it dissolved when I think what, what really in principally happened, music lost the genre separation and a lot of the uh, record shops went online. Napster killed a lot of it because mm. it became so easy to just get music, download mm. it and stuff. The industry had to change to try and rid itself of Napster, weirdly. So mm. to do that, you create iTunes and create a legitimate platform. But the, the money shifted. Then live stuff shifted. It wasn't important to go to see stuff live as much anymore. Yeah. And so what happened was when you did go to see live bands, it was one or two of the most extreme stage shows. Everything was almost rivaling Cirque du Soleil. 
So if you sort of saw, saw Britney Spears back in the 90s, mm. she'd be a little girl on stage basically in like a school uniform as a prop doing a couple of dance routines and that was enough, yeah. right? But now she has to go there as a massive 3D cinema bit at the start, loads yeah. of pyrotechnics, everyone's coming from the ceiling. It needs a to be a couple of these do backflips and kick her on stage. It's very intense and mm. elaborate, you see? And then, so by the time you got four blokes on the stage with a guitar, it, it, you've <laughs> lost the magic. Yeah. So that's really only been preserved in real elitist hotspots. Glastonbury or Sun mm. Festivals in the UK. Definitely some in Norway and Germany, especially throughout Europe. Japan, mm-hmm. it's been preserved. And some places in America, like the ESPN Extreme Games, which used to be the X Games or whatever, that turned into the Vans Tour. So you've still got these things that are in, in existence. The, the the thing that I find interesting is though, it's on a somewhat revival, mm. which we start to see in lockdown where there's a lot more, almost a, like when people do drive-in gigs, mm. you know? So you get McDonald's uh, at the drive-in gig and then you can see Led Zeppelin playing the car park. I really? Well, I wouldn't say it's a McDonald's thing, but you, mm. you, you drive to the venue. A lot of comedians are doing this. In fact, when... At the uh, Magic Castle in Hollywood, they've been running comedy shows in a car park. Oh, yeah, that's we, we used to live right next to this yeah. place when we were making our movies. Hey, if we were still there, we'd get free shows. Yeah, yeah. we would watch from our balcony. Literally. We literally, our balcony looked out on the Magic Castle car park. If you mm. watch Kin, Fallen Star, which you can't right now because we've <laughs> taken it offline. We uh, have plans. We have plans for it. But when you can again... Mm-hmm. Uh, you will see that we are right next to that One area. of the locations yeah. is right next well, to Magic Castle. The main location of the entire film Fun. is opposite. Anyway, so what I'm trying to say in this elaborate scheme is YouTube has become the new rock band. Right. Everyone can do it. You know, like you had Guitar Hero. This was a spin-off of the success of being a musician back mm-hmm. in the 90s up to the mid-2000s. Yeah. You had this Anyone game series. Be a musician. You, had, you had a game series called Guitar Hero, yeah. which... Can I just say, as a professional musician, used to really frustrate me when people were like, I'm really good at that. I could be in your band. Not the same. Not the same. Really? People yeah. would say that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just the, a the, game. Worst, the worst is the karaoke craze, yeah. where people would do karaoke and think they were as good as you as okay. a pro singer. And you're like, and why aren't you doing karaoke? Don't you like to sing? And they challenge you almost like, you can't mm. sing because you're not doing karaoke. Here's the thing when you're a, 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 an actual singer, your voice is your livelihood. Yeah. And you can break your voice so easily mm. that you have to protect it, mm-hmm. right? And so if you do karaoke and you got a gig the next day and you're out with your mates, let's do karaoke, ha, ha, ha. At the time, people were still smoking in bars and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that would just kill your voice. Mm. Like you would be screwed. Yeah. So a lot of people don't understand the intensity of it. And it's like... I always had people, it's one of these things we've talked about, like if you're a martial artist or something and people say, oh, show me. Yeah. Really? You really want me to show you, right? And Or if you're a singer, same thing. If you're a comedian. If you're a comedian, a make me laugh. <laughs> but all this kind of stuff is, it's a weird thing when you do anything live performance or it has a skill base. Because there's so many things like you wouldn't go to an open heart surgeon and say, prove it. <laughs> Entertain, monkey. <laughs> Can you prove to me that you can do open heart yeah, surgery? You no. know, it's kind of ridiculous. Or a plumber. We've talked about this. A lot of people know this in their logic. But for me, YouTube is a situation where really it blurs the lines on stuff. Mm. Like Justin Bieber, people forget. Justin Bieber literally was probably the ultimate 
at day one YouTube celebrity. He got famous because of YouTube. Mm. And that dude blew up to be ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> a lot of girls like him, I guess. Mm -hmm. To a lot of dudes, we're like, really? Mm. But that changes the game a lot. Yeah. Because then it makes YouTube, which predominantly was a joke when it started. Let's be honest. Because a lot of it was just like cat videos, puppy videos. Yeah. Um, then Freddie Wong did cool stuff with it. Yeah. Um, video game high school, Rooster Teeth, another podcast group. And also they do little clips. They did a lot of stuff on it. But the monetary value, I think, came from people like Justin Bieber. Mm. Because it, it turned tons of money. And the, the, the following that you can achieve, if you actually achieve the kind of mass following that he achieved that's like alvis presley big mm. it's weird isn't it yeah weird so it's kind of right so what i'm trying to say is that i think when we were kids in bands uh for me it was sort of like my late teens when we were doing that you could see all the gimmicks rising everyone could get like a cheaper guitar starter kit with a little amp and then it was basically then guitar hero and then guitar hero drum hero if you're mm. a bit richer and then Drum Hero becomes Rock Band, where they actually use real instruments. Oh, okay, yeah. I know of the game. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's like a, it's like a band karaoke, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. really good way of teaching guitar and stuff, actually. But there was this huge rise in tutorials for guitarists, and mm. it was a big thing. That's now all in your smartphone, and it makes you a YouTube yeah. celebrity. Yeah. And every kid, TikTok is a really good example of this, where every kid wants to be in the next big thing on the internet mm -hmm. they don't really know why it's just their friends are doing it so they're doing it and it's it's something that i've witnessed being the next really big movement mm -hmm. is online streaming media there's some really clever stuff i'm not gonna lie there's a a few there's a latvian guy in america who basically has a kind of loop sample synth system which is how you would pretty much do a lot of soundtrack films or um scores and stuff mm. he basically plays his live guitar into it and he's got like a little drum machine where he creates loops yeah and he literally will say to anyone on the street give me a genre of music that you like and they'll say oh um people in america don't sorry americans but they don't really understand genre so they'll say lincoln park it's not a genre <laughs> yeah so he'll say genre and they'll sure. say lincoln park right yeah, right anyway it's funny <laughs> just a european we, we're snobbish here in europe because we invented the language that you speak yeah. just saying uh, <laughs> across the board by the way that's why it's called spanish just saying um that was harsh so he will take requests they might say like do you know any kind of you know leonard skinner or something and he'll create the sweet home alabama sort of baseline loop it mm -hmm. then add to it and flesh it out with like lead guitar parts it'll right. have a little kind of monotone sort of drum beat going off yeah um basically like one man improv band pretty much there's, there's people like that that are absolutely mind-blowing yeah because it's it's not just what you know in street hustle mm. in la there's so many street hustlers mm -hmm. like really incredible street talent in, in Los Angeles, like uh, Santa Monica, you'll mm -hmm. see on the promenade. Yeah. Very clever people. A lot of people. musicians. Uh, our mates, Ken Oak and the Ken Oak band were like outside of Disney, if yep. you ever got to see them. There's a lot of that. But this guy was taking it to a different league mm. where he'd invented a way of doing stuff. 
and you could just add him request. He's a one man karaoke machine. Mm. He's not sure what he's doing because <laughs> he's like a lot of the time he might have a general idea of what he's saying. Someone said system of a down. So he just did a thrash metal thing, yeah. which isn't very system of a down. Um, like he'll improvise stuff, right? Like when he did Sweet Home Alabama, he doesn't know the lyrics. So he's just doing lines. Mm. But it, it's just clever. It's quite mesmerizing. Mm. That guy then represents by this other guy who's a pro guitar technician called The Do. And he's up on YouTube and he's posting stuff where he'll go on something like Omegle, which is kind of a sketchy thing, like a, a random uh, video chat kind mm. of a thing, like a chat roulette, which is always terrifying because you get some proper nutters on it. <laughs> And he'll basically go on it. He doesn't reveal his face. So the whole of his celebrity is being the mystery of a faceless right, guy. Yeah. And he'll just be there popping on your screen and saying, hey, do you want me to play a song? Yeah. And again, he takes requests, uses a loop machine. So you can already see that transition. The street mm. buskers transition to, to that or the do transition to the street busker. Yeah. But it's changing the game of not only busking, but the legitimacy that you can busk on the internet yeah that's crazy yeah right right mm. so we're already seeing music like i said back from me was playing live gigs we're now in lockdown mm. you've seen this transition of how people are adapting a certain technology onto online before or after lockdown but definitely during the pandemic this has been happening and i just find it very very fascinating right so i'm looking at all of this stuff and i think a lot of people We've seen similar things, really riveting kind of new technology things. And it's easy to see why kids are just almost literally climbing over each other to be the next sort of TikTok celebrity or YouTube celebrity or just being a celebrity to their peer group. Yeah. I've got 15,000 followers. You've got two. I can see it. Yeah. Why that's important to kids. But do you know what's great about that is at least they're not being like lunatics playing games they shouldn't be playing, video games like 18 plus mm. rating, or at least they're not creating mischief. It's a really good communal thing, but I think their incentives are wrong. I think they want to be a sort of, it's popularization again. Yeah. Stop trying to be popular, kids. Just do creative stuff. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's good to be that. I think I saw a documentary about like YouTube celebrities and the, the thing that you get into once you are then it's almost like oh yeah i got a million followers but that's nothing compared to like this guy who's got like well, 22 we million spoke about just... this a bit last time when i said about there's always a higher mountain yeah it's not even it's not even that it's the immaturity level of understanding celebrity okay so basically it's a tier group mm. some of these youtubers are legitimately monetized to be a celebrity they have a lot of help to get there. Mm. I think Justin Bieber did. Mm. Freddie Wong for sure did. Yeah. And these are the blueprints. From the start, yeah. Well, not like they, they had the alumni. Like Freddie Wong went to USC in California. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, yeah, he, knew, he knew people. Mm. His lecturers were famous. He had famous friends. He was also rich. Yeah. The point that I'm trying to say is that was how the YouTube celebrity started. Okay. Was with someone who probably had a lot of support. Mm hmm going up a lot of steps very fast, maybe hacking algorithms, mm. maybe buying bots, maybe getting fake subscribers, whatever it is, they managed it. Mm. doesn't take anything away from their talent pool. It just means that it's not an honest portrait. It was a fast of, track. Right, it's a fast track. Yeah. But these kids aren't thinking that now. In my opinion, a lot of the kids that are now posting on social media or YouTube or TikTok, they're actually um, 
in a private competition with their friends and they explode into a then it's the nationality then it's the youtube celebrities themselves and then before you know it all they know is competition mm. and it's, it's very um you know when we used to trade baseball cards or stickers or something like this sure, like, like collectibles like, yeah mm. to me it's become that with subscriptions with mm. kids which is terrifying but i understand it at least it's kind of more real than baseball cards, <laughs> essentially, because they're actually really doing something. Yeah. There's actually Actual a contribution. Yeah. But it's very dangerous in the fact that you don't know who's watching you. Yeah. It's quite yeah. scary, man. Luckily, um, you know, for anyone uh, raising kids, in this, I can see how scary it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But there's got to be a logic. And a lot of kids, we don't give them credit enough for They might not be competitive. They might just like doing dumb, creative stuff. I mm -hmm. remember we all grew up doing magic shows or whatever for our <laughs> folks and driving them ballistically <laughs> mental. You know, hey, I can pull a pigeon. Oh, no, I can't. We did little plays and stuff. Exactly. Little plays. A lot of, you know, yeah. my, my nieces still do, but it's kind of like you. Um, but here they actually have a platform. <laughs> sure, you have a time and place, but TikTok mm. is the same gratification. Yeah. But it becomes a focus on numbers. Yeah. If you talk to How any kid, likes? you How talk to any followers? kid on TikTok now, I'm sure around the world it's the same. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're in Iraq. It doesn't matter if you're in Africa. It doesn't like any country in Africa. It doesn't matter if you're any country in Europe. It doesn't matter if you're, I don't know why I singled Iraq out. It doesn't matter where you are on the planet. <laughs> Basically, what I'm trying to say is like the round the world vibe is uh it's the numbers game yeah kids if you ask like you know any kid about their tiktok account the first thing they'll probably say is i've got fifteen thousand subscribers or mm. i've got eight thousand it's a crazy quick way of getting friends it's way faster than youtube mm -hmm. youtube is a c it's way faster than real life yeah yeah <laughs> well <hard> it's <laughs> it is what it is i mean i don't think any human being in their lifetime has fifteen thousand yeah, friends yeah, unless they're the queen or something that's just your staff <laughs> You know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but basically, like, I wanted to focus because in all of this YouTube emporium, this world that there is in YouTube, there is actually a growing trend where, of course, the industry is taking note and some some uh, companies out there are really doing some pre pretty good entertaining clips. For example, we talked about Dragon's Den. They've actually clipped that out to just one pitch videos rather than mm, an hour and a half episode, episode or yeah. something. And it's like a 10-minute clip. Right. And it works so much better. Yeah, in that's that more digestible. It, it, it's just better mm. because it's like, you know, if you just want to watch something quickly, mm. you're making a salad <laughs> and you're just waiting for everything to defrost or whatever because you keep a salad in the freezer, I don't know, whatever your thing is. Um, <laughs> basically, it's just to pass time, isn't it? You're mm. on a bus, yeah. 10 minutes trip, yeah. and you've got, uh, it's great. What I think is quite interesting is like there's a series obviously in the USA, they are very much the leaders in professional YouTube because obviously Cobra Kai, which is now Netflix, the continuation of the Karate Kid story, we've talked about that in the past, that began on YouTube. Yes. So it's a YouTube Red exclusive, yeah. which is now YouTube Premium. Mm. So they've dropped the red, I think. Yeah, that didn't really work out for them. Well, it was a bad marketing concept. What's YouTube Red? I don't get it. YouTube Premium. Oh, right, so I'll pay for no ads, <laughs> right? Everything's going in this weird model, really, you know? Um, anyway, regardless, America did this series that it's been on YouTube for a long while now that I, I, I picked up on it in LA um, when I was out there. It's called Hot Ones, and it's basically like this guy, 
has a range of hot sauces and he gets a celebrity on and they have to eat a chicken wing dunked in the hot sauce at different levels of heat till it's really ridiculously hot at the end. Mm. And he's interviewing them whilst they're eating it. <laughs> so be like, so when you were five, what were you thinking about? <laughs> it's like really funny. But um, that was an amazing show. Very simple idea. Yeah. Probably better than anything on the Good Food Network, I'll be honest. But is it in always the USA. chicken wings? Yeah. It's a hot sauce sample show. And they've got, like, the sponsors of the hot sauces. Right. Which is clever. I was going to say, not only is it difficult, obviously, because it's spicy, but eating chicken wings while answering and... Well, they yeah, allow him to messy. eat the chicken wing before he asks a question. Like, But it's a, it's <laughs> yeah. a conversation. Yeah, almost like a It's like a 10-minute podcast form or half an hour, whatever it is. Mm. It's funny because it breaks the celebrity now. Yeah. There's been this They've real push to try and humanize celebrities mm. and hot ones does that one of the best i've seen because you can't really lie whilst you're dying from heat yeah. and spice, <laughs> spice you know um regardless it's a it's an interesting Would you show. Do that? no eat spicy chicken no meat? because i'm i've never been a school of thought like there's a lot of people who are competitive with stuff like that yeah. there's a lot of my friends who are like oh just get the uh the hottest curry in the world mm. so i look cool mm. but i don't enjoy that because it's so hot that you'd basically take a mouthful of it and you're like well this doesn't taste like anything now because i got no tongue <laughs> right and gordon ramsay was on it and he sort of fits my idea of why i wouldn't do it right your palate gets wrecked yeah it can be very dangerous mm. If you're a pro chef or something, not yeah. that I'm saying I'm Gordon Ramsay, I'm just saying like yeah. you do audio stuff. I do singing and yeah, things yeah, yeah. as a pro singer. Going back to that, yeah. very bad for your throat. <laughs> and I, I just don't believe in competitive. Like that's retarded. It's like the machismo thing. Mm. It's always been retarded to me. Like if you are an alpha, you don't have to race to be the alpha. You're not in a competition to be the alpha. You just are it. Yeah. Right. And. Most of the alphas in history, if you take the kind of godly one, like Jesus, he was an alpha male, by the way, Jesus, because mm. everyone talked about him. They all ran to him, mm. right? But he wasn't there competing. You no. didn't see Jesus powerlifting at Venice he just Beach. Was. Yeah, the guys have an interesting way of looking at alpha mm. because honestly, I feel like if you're in a wolf pack, yeah. one of you is the strongest and they're not doing things to be the strongest. You don't see the strongest wolf in a wolf pack going out there and bench pressing and, and doing his hair a particular way. They don't act like that. So They're what, just the strongest by genes. What you're saying is actually competitive alphas are actually betas. <laughs> 100% because they, they don't know what it's like to be an alpha. Yeah, an alpha is hard. literally the strongest guy in a room. Mm -hmm. The end. They're not trying to be the strongest guy in a room. They probably don't want to be, but they are. Yeah. It's like being a leader. It's a weird thing. Like... Well, it goes back to the popularity thing and all of the count-ups on your uh, YouTube or whatever, mm. uh, the subscriptions. Basically, you either are or you're not. Mm. I feel like with the alpha conversations, like the machismo thing and the competitive spice thing, I think how many people eat spicy food because they like it? Mm. And how many people eat spicy food because they want to look better in front of the friends who can only handle like 6,000 kilowatts of death? Mm. I don't think that's how you measure spice. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> kilowatts right. of death. But it's like these guys that are constantly competing with this invisible thing that mm. no one gives a monkey that gets boring yeah like you're in school and everything was when we were kids it wasn't a subscription based platform for popularity <laughs> it was people were the popular kids yeah 
right? And some people just didn't want that. Yeah. They just didn't want it, but they were yeah. for whatever reason. Mm. And some people were trying desperately yeah. to be included into the group. They're never going to achieve anything, in my opinion. It, it, this fake machismo always makes you look like an idiot, mm. right? You can be there and you can, it's not to take it away from the people who are competing in a sport. Like you wouldn't say Arnold Schwarzenegger is overcompensating by being Mr. Universe. That's not what I'm saying. That's an athletic thing. And all the pride and the arrogance helps you compete at that level. Mm. Like take Cristiano Ronaldo. The guy is a walking depiction of machismo. But mm. he's a good dude. There are things he's done where he's gone out on the street in heavy disguise and is kicking balls around with kids in Madrid when he used to play for Real Madrid. Yeah. He's a good dude. I think like his mean, heart's like, good. Competition within social circles or so, social circumstances. I think competition in athletics isn't the same yeah. as machismo on the no, streets. I, understand. I, understand. I think if you've got this general idiot that's so lads lad that they're like ridiculous. Mm. Oh, I'm just going to eat the spiciest thing. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go one better. Oh, you put your hand that close to the barbecue. I'm going to stick my arm in the barbecue. Those guys, right? Yeah, it, it gets loopy. It gets, it, it, they push it so far that actually they're just the joker. Not I don't know. <laughs> I think I think there are people who are very horrendous. Mm. It becomes a machismo, and then it turns into misogyny, and it's a horrible yeah. trait. Like slippery. I slope. think alphas are born and they're not created. You right. can't create an alpha. Yeah. And it's funny how in America this is so different to the UK. And in, in the UK, it's not even a conversation. The alpha. You'll have a couple of thugs like chavs or whatever, and like idiots at school and stuff. And mm. you'll see them if you go into different regions of the UK. There's still that machismo and the yeah, you know, whatever that is. A pack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then it's it's totally pathetic. But in America, it's solved. Yeah. Alpha brain and <laughs> alpha pro and alpha <laughs> walking your dog and alpha going to the swim. It's mm. so in your face. You don't create an alpha. Mm. So an alpha ain't going to use alpha brain. It's not going to use alpha pro. It's not going to use any of that stuff. So don't market it. Mm -hmm. You know, just call it helpful for your neurosis. Because <laughs> alpha brain's good in the sense that it helps you keep your faculties in older age. Apparently, it's like all of this kind of supplement stuff. Okay. I'm not into any of that, man. My life's too hard as it is. Do you is know it? what I mean? <laughs> like as a singer, I've got to think I can't have dairy. Yeah. Can't do this and that. You know, as an actor, you got to try and do well creator really storyteller you got to mm -hmm. kind of create so you've got enough stuff to do if you don't need anything else i have a fundamental issue of people who actually use um or like to say that they use things to take the edge off makes them open to like people who smoke weed or do drugs to kind right. of elevate their creativity i Artistic. think that's to me and this is possibly controversial but to me i feel like that's cheating in sports mm. And you you got a two way of looking at it. It's like mm -hmm. a performance enhancing thing. Sure, there are. A lot it's not of an writers. honest expression, is it? There are a lot of writers I know that are like um, heavy drinkers. Sure. And you know they can't. It's an write easy thing. Drink, I can understand sad. how you get involved in that, but if you've got no confidence in your own ability, why even try? Mm. Because all you're basically doing is getting high as hell, and that's your talent. You're off your center then. Your brain's firing in a different way than it should normally. Yeah. It's not your talent. But if, if their argument is that, oh, it unlocks me. Yeah, then... no, that's of course the argument. Yeah. For example, like if you go back in time and you go to say like when people were using drugs in say like uh, Paul McCartney or some of the Beatles, they used drugs and they came up with Sergeant Pepper and it's the most insane 
leap mm. without their expressionism or doing their hallucinogenics and stuff that album would have changed music so significantly because nothing like that came before it mm -hmm. that was completely cutting edge you can see an argument to that yeah but they all said they were experimenting to do an experimental album. They still went back to Sober Thought later. Yeah, right. Right. But if you get into the whole thing where, oh, we did that, yeah. Sgt. Pepper, that means we need to get even higher to next keep, time keep and completely it. mental next time. If you're a stand-up comedian, you go on stage drunk. Don't you think that's, that's bad? It's a bit disrespectful, I suppose. It's not just that it's disrespectful. Do you not think that it um, promotes the understanding that you're only funny when you're drunk? Mm. they're like you can't do it sober yeah yeah i find that it, it these are things anyway i'm completely <laughs> off the point so <laughs> great discussions um i just think i think any kind of crux in your creative process that's not an organic one mm. uh that that changes chemistry too i can understand it i can understand taking the edge off a little bit yeah nicotine alcohol I, within reason but yeah. if you've got to be like literally a bit wasted yeah. to be funny or, or or creative then no i, mm. I don't support it yeah. it it's an, it's an interesting experimentation i think if you're an artist and you get into that kind of line of thought like hallucinogenic what would that do i think within all reason as a human being you got liberties to try anything and if you're artistic and you were famous at the start and your art was like already stone cold sober by the age of 13 i drew a picture and everyone loved it imagine what that would look like if you enhanced it in any sense mm. it could be a really good uh experiment but you also have to go back to your sober and still have the power because the saddest thing is when you hear artists that start off with the potential talent they do a one hit sells like sells tons of records right mm -hmm. then they discover drugs or whatever recreational they rely on that then to write and yeah. they forget their base. They've run out of steam. Like the pressure on an artist is crazy. So yeah, take Kirk Bain's a good example. First song comes out, massive hit. Then he gets into all of his addiction issues mm. and he can only rely on that to do the next hit and the next hit and the next hit. It kills him early, mm. right? Whereas I always think what I would try and say is the, it is counter to a lot of thoughts out there. But to me, it's a case of do something sober don't put pressure on yourself just keep your expression honest and then if you want to experiment do so but get back to your sober nucleus don't lose yourself and it's very difficult sometimes yeah it really is but it, it's sad because a lot of probably 80 percent of rock bands are on something yeah right you know maybe a tour coach that they're, on, on. they're on a tour they're coach. on a tour coach well, they're generally... right now like, they got locked down they can't get off it <laughs> They're just going around the world <laughs> in a tour coach. Bubble. Yeah, that's their security <laughs> bubble. And it's a lot of gas. So that's why gas is uh, in high demand. Uh, right. So what I was going to say, and this is now an ending thought, is there is uh, actually a thing on YouTube. Unilad do it and Comedy Central in America do it. It's this uh, kind of argument. It's like you present a 10-minute clip called Agree to Disagree, which is one of the most annoying things anyone, any human being ever says. Oh, we'll agree to disagree. You can't. Mm. It's an impossibility. You can't agree to disagree. It is paradoxical. Well, if you're in an argument, you're not agreeing, right? So how can you agree that you disagree? But you can disagree. You can agree that you don't agree on it. 
there's an impasse. But every person who says that is not willing to get to an impasse. That's true. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they've closed the argument, which is more infuriating. I disagree, the end. And can I just point out that it's usually the person on the wrong end of that conversation that who always says, says it. it. <laughs> 100%. Because if someone really has the passion to believe what they're saying to you, they'll keep. They will never say that. Mm. They will. Most arguments intellectually are basically like someone turning around and saying, well, um, actually, okay, this is my specific field and yeah. I'm very passionate about it. And then the other person's like, well, I've read about it and I have an opinion and I totally disagree with you, mm -hmm. right? There's obviously this huge lack of something going on, which creates a clash, you see, mm. in opinion. But anyone who says agree to disagree is usually the one that's on the wrong side of the argument, I or, think. Or, I mean, to be nice, or it's because they can't articulate there what could they're be that. trying to yeah, say. They, they, yeah, sure. Like, um, But it's a really big phenomenon to say that in humanity since social media began. It is I a bit feel. of a shutdown, though. It, it's, it's a huge like, shutdown. Let's just stop this conversation. Exactly. Um, yeah. Hmm. But the point is, there's <laughs> Unilad, which is a UK, um, I wouldn't say independent production company. They do a lot of stuff on YouTube. It's always very professional what they put out. I think they started, or they have a ton of stuff on Facebook. Sure. Like it's a lot of like a clickbait videos. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but they do they around. do a lot of stuff with celebrities. They, it's What they do is kind of like similar to Vice in the USA and the channel. They mm. basically do mini documentaries or interviews with celebrities or whatever setups that are very um, cutting edge. Mm. Like they'll have someone with Tourette's talking about the condition for 20 minutes or something right. like this. It's very good. Some of the stuff. They do this thing called uh, agree to disagree, okay? Right. For them, it's a serious Britain versus America, this argument, right? So for us in the UK, our approach was to literally do a show where, say, this person's a vegan, this person's a hunter. Sure. And they agree to disagree. So they're trying to, to debate yeah, put the benefits of the... Yeah, the And then it, it's space. done like in a pub where they've each got a glass of whatever yeah. and they're having a conversation and then it's through uh, questions that Unilad sends them. So mm -hmm. it's a structured thing. Mm -hmm. And then they debate each of the questions. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And at the end of it, would you stay friends and have another drink? Yeah. And absolutely so far in England, everyone said, yeah, I would. Cool. Which is because we're amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's because we're amazing. Okay. Right. Because basically there's an American on it who's a flat earth theorist talking to a scientist in one of these. Okay. And they agree at the end that they'd have a drink together. Cool. Now in America, the bar would stall would be out, smash on the head, some guns would be going off, no. he'd phone his mates to get the car on and they'd sell organs at the end of the conversation. Right? Mm. So in the American version, which isn't a straight conversation... So it's a different format? It's Comedy Central, so that's automatically going to tell you it's not the same. Right, yeah. Okay. And it's a bunch of would-be, maybe not, comedians that are like YouTube comedians mm. who are not comedians in any way because I don't laugh at anything they're saying, mm -hmm. making stupid conversation. So I'll start with a topic. One of the biggest ones in the internet world, and I have alluded to this as past, is Marvel versus DC. Mm. Now... <laughs> In the Comedy Central Marvel versus DC, it starts off with some kind of conversation about it and it descends into things that aren't even relevant to try and be funny. Yeah. You got four wannabe comedians trying to be funny for 30 minutes. Mm. It's, it's not great. Okay. okay. And I'm sorry, America, but that's a fact. 
uh, it's just not great. You either agree or you disagree. <laughs> in the UK one, they did the same topic. Yeah. And it's this that I want to highlight, okay? okay? Because people may or may not have seen these videos. Now I've kind of promoted them. Mm. Um, but basically, the UK had two, I would say mid-20s, uh, maybe early 30s kids, because they are, discussing Marvel versus DC. And from the outset, they almost went straight into the uh, cinematic universes of both. Yeah, right. All right. Now, if you can have a conversation of Marvel versus DC and you're old like myself mm-hmm. or even older, mm. you're going to be talking comics Comic first books. and then moving on to the MCU. Yeah. you got a specific, uh, the multiple cinematic universe yeah. of DC Marvel. I nearly screwed that <laughs> up. Um, yes, DC or the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the argument really can't be done in comics. It's been done. Scholars have done this for years. Nerd scholars Mm -hmm. they are so linked comic book wise meaning this character is literally ripped off from this character this character has the same name as this character everything is so interlocked in the 60s 70s 80s 90s 2000 2010 21 uh they're all linked so severely that you can't do that what i will say is that marvel's done a lot more uh recently in years to bring other ethnicities in, try and experiment with different characters, et cetera, et cetera. So the Marvel universe feels more uh, modern yeah. than DC. Yeah. DC is kind of stoic in mm. its way of Batman will never be black. Presentation, yeah. For example. Sure. You'll never have black Batman. Mm-hmm. Miles Morales mm-hmm. completely changed Spider-Man. Yeah. Right? So Marvel has been more awesome to try and incorporate a new generation, different ethnicities. It took a long time for it to, yeah. right? But in recent times, that's what it's done. I liked Into the Spider-Verse. It's brilliant. It's a good film. It's brilliant because, you know, the construct of that they've done this in multiple ways, mm-hmm. like the video game especially, where you had Peter Parker start the video game universe of Spider-Man and then it goes into Miles Morales in the sequel and it's the same, if not more successful mm. because of that. Mm. Clever. But I would say the argument you can't do in comics, the argument you can do in cinematic universe, and the argument is simply this, and there is no debate and there is no argument. I'll tell you why you can't debate this. All right? Because a lot of kids, like, raised with understanding there's been a rivalry between these two franchises for years in the comic book world, and they're trying to apply it to cinema. Here's why you can't do it. Marvel, more funding... Because it's owned by Disney and they've given it a blank check. Mm. More organization. It's been building for longer. And the accidents that created the popularity of it changed the game. You introduce Robert Downey Jr., give him some creative freedom. Mm -hmm. And you suddenly, the film explodes. Into something entirely new. In a way, it's not even relevant to Marvel. Yeah. It's not even relevant. It's Robert Downey it's Jr. Thing, yeah. that you're, you're <laughs> having that. Because the, the, the narrative in Iron Man was terrible. Mm-hmm. It's it's cookie-cutter hero film. We've seen them loads of times before, but it's what it did. It changed the game. It said, we can break the rules. Mm-hmm. There's no point in the comics where Iron Man says, I am Iron Man. Yeah. No point. Tony Stark <laughs> comes out. Yeah, yeah, there's no point. So he breaks the rules down. When you break the rules down, you can present the whole thing differently. So mm. when MCU starts up like that, it's then it, it, it's injecting things that's toying with the comics. 
It's, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy was extremely good at that because the actual comic was so B-rated. Mm. You never heard about it. Yeah. It, never you never, heard exactly. You never heard about it unless you're a real connoisseur. Mm. When they put that out, it became this comedy special because of accidents again. Dave yeah. Bautista has some freedom so to work. So much comedy in the Rocket Raccoon, film. like the, um, the fact that the portrayal of that group being a one word Think, like basically the whole thing was like it didn't take any of itself seriously mm -hmm. i think it was better than any star wars film that's happened yeah ever probably as far as space and travel and, and the kind of tongue-in-cheek aspect of mm -hmm. it but it it, it it it's the perfect family cinema film which we hadn't seen we were starved of that since the 80s the 80s had Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, all this stuff, Turtles came in the 90s. All of that stuff was family. We hadn't had that. Marvel brought it all back. Mm. And it did it by accident. People don't get that. However, DC, before it was a DC universe, before it was even trying to be, before they even knew that they had to rival Marvel, yeah. Chris Nolan did the Batman trilogy, which is up there with The Godfather. It's up there with it classic is. best cinema experiences of all time narrative of film it belongs in the same list as say you know citizen kane it because it evolved Iconic. cinema yeah absolutely it didn't just evolve cinema it evolved the way you talk about a subject mm. and a, a very saturated subject changes it mm. so it became a classic cinematic film here's the thing you got to separate that because then Marvel explodes, truly explodes the Avengers and the build-up. But it had, at this point, put in an infrastructure which made cinema equivalent to television, where you've got a guy running the show who's got complete creative understanding of all the phases, which is like series planning, yeah. season planning. Yeah. You've then got locks in your breaks where you're going to release the marvel films in the summer this kind of control that happens in hollywood only happens if you get someone like disney backing you yeah and they have a literally a television style Schedule. structure to it yeah. kevin feig's the top of it then underneath him's all the directors everyone has meetings they communicate all of the bits of their creativity they keep yeah. create uh, the the system down and it makes the marvel universe what it should be in cinema which is the same way the comics work yeah there's loads of contributors but it's superseded by stan lee essentially kevin mm. feig stan lee yeah right whereas dc hasn't done that no what dc's done is like oh we did batman but we didn't quite get it right so we'll give up on that and represent it almost it a year like and it's it just again. like it's been this complete mishmash so i'm sorry mm. to say this there's no absolute no comparison and there's no rivalry or debate marvel is better by the sheer volume of the people who've seen it and, and embraced it because it's family movies whereas dc so dark so cutting edge in the way they've presented themselves that it can't even do the same it's not even close mm. there's no debate so if you prefer the dc universe you're probably older more mature but if you're talking about how successful, it's not even close. Therefore, there's no debate. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has done it right. The DC Cinematic Universe is nowhere close. Nowhere or you close can just to doing say, it right. you know, it's incomparable because apples and oranges. No, it's not. It, 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 you can't do that because they're, whole, they're covering the superhero genre. And what people are doing is saying, Batman's better than Spider-Man or Superman's a better character than Black Panther. They're, they're really trying to clash... 
Oh, like specific yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. They're basically saying what's better. Right. Is DC better than Marvel or is Marvel better than DC? And what I'm saying in the cinematic universe, Marvel it clearly is the Hands winner. Hands down. Because billions of people watch the Avengers film. Yeah. Which means that the impact that it's had means that it's more popular <laughs> and maybe a hundred million people watch Batman and versus Superman. It's non-comparison. Mm. So if DC was in fact better than Marvel, by popularity alone, it would supersede the Marvel numbers and it's nowhere close. So what I'm trying to say is there is no comparison. But then the biggest money for DC is in all of these TV shows coming out of America, like The Flash and all of this stuff, Supergirl and stuff like this. Yeah. And they don't even correlate to their cinema world. Yeah. Whereas what Marvel did is it went super extreme with the darker stuff, Daredevil being a more like an 18 certified thing on Netflix, went darker with it and still fit it into the family-friendly stuff. It's far cleverer business mm. because all of it's done with more passion, love and consideration. And it's a wide spectrum. DC keeps undoing itself. Mm. For example, you put a whack in Phoenix or the Joker. You've got an incredible film yeah. that's almost that's Scorsese homage yeah. entirely like taxi driver kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a classic in itself, but that's all it's ever going to be. Mm. You can't do a sequel to that because you wouldn't do why it was created. Yeah. Right? It's its own thing. And then they've got the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League coming out, which is now going to be like a three-part TV movie. <clears throat> so like five hours, mm. in something like this. And you're automatically seeing more of why I think DC doesn't work. There's a lot of creative conflict. Sure. Where DC does work, and this is the end of the debate on this conversation particularly, where DC does work is that it's maturity levels. Like if you're going to do like more intricate narrative, brooding narrative, mm -hmm. I can't tell you like the excitement I've got for Robert Pattinson as Batman and the trailer that came out mm -hmm probably because I'm a big mark for Nirvana and I love Kurt Cobain and I grew up with that. The fact they used that song as the soundtrack for their trailer, something in a way, just the way it's cut. The excitement makes me feel as excited as it was when they did The Crow. And The Crow was a huge cult, mega massive masterpiece with Brandon Lee and all this stuff. It's exciting. It's exciting because it's different. Mm. So I'm very excited to see that, but I can't put that anywhere with the dcu yeah. if they decide to do these standalone master classes of cinema like the joker mm. like the batman film with robert pattinson that's how dc could do something really unique each approach to its comic character is individually one of the best films you'll ever see in a cinema it'll be like a scorsese or a Tarantino film, as opposed to just a comic book movie. I think that's where DC could eclipse Marvel. Mm. But then it would be uniquely for older, more mature audiences. Right. And then it wouldn't compete. That would be the smartest move. Mm. Like, stop trying to compete with something you're never going to be able to win the war of. Yeah. And stop debating it in the streets, because there is no debate. <laughs> it's completely ridiculous to debate this. One is an 18-certified rated r if you're in america cinema experience has to be to be close to dc mm. dc is dealing with serial killers yeah loads of crazy dark stuff right yeah. marvel has always been lighter more campy more fringe more colorful more younger in yeah. its audience 
Spider-Man's like 16 yeah, yeah, originally yeah. or something like this. It's stupid. It's like saying, well, Bambi's better than uh, Jaws. <laughs> yeah, you can't compare. Because <laughs> they've both got an animal in it, yeah. right? Being a fella we're in cinema ourselves, being a fella we make films ourselves, I can tell you that the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe is a conversation that doesn't really have a point. It's your preference. So if you like one over the other, if you like a character over the other, it's your preference. And that's really the debate on, is Batman cooler than Iron Man, you know? Mm. To me, there's too many similarities in the character to have any, like, Iron Man's got a better sense of humor only because Robert Downey Jr. gave him one. Yeah. Batman's more dark, brooding, Sherlock Holmes evolved with a lot of gadgets. He's literally Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. You know, and Robin is his Watson. And I still don't understand how Batman is a symbol of fear and Robin is a red-breasted bird that pops up every winter and goes, hi, it's not very scary. Still don't get that. Uh, they have tried to evolve it, Nightwing and the such. But anyway, it's not a debate. And there's a few things that Unilad's uh, agree to disagree sort of section has gone into. Uh, the other thing that kind of inf uh, infuriated me was the debate on North versus South of the UK, which is better. The fact that we're having that conversation in today's world is is frustrating. Mm. It's almost like the North, it just represents, like, I mean, talk anything North of London or the London Territory, maybe uh, to be nice, anything after Buckinghamshire or Hertfordshire, anything North of that. They consider it as total working class. Everyone works in a mine. Everyone's got a, you know, farm. That's kind of the way they see it, mm. right? Whereas a lot of people in the North see London as like really rich, extremely wealthy, upper class, yeah. right? And it's so stupid because the truth is this, right? London, international city, first international city in the world. If you are English in London, you're almost a unicorn now. <laughs> like if you actually raise as a yeah. single white British Londoner, yeah. you are a unicorn. It's very mm. rare. Most people are either Jewish, Chinese, uh, Indian, whatever. It's all, all mixed, the world. mixed ethnicity. And that's why it's a beautiful place. Yeah. It's one of the literal, and it works better than most international cities. It's mm. more integrated yeah. than anywhere I've ever seen, really. Melting pot. But the point is, you all arrive at Heathrow Airport, Gatwick, Luton, and absolutely no one speaks English, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, there, There's some, well, they speak English with a heavy accent, mm -hmm. I should say mm -hmm. that. And what people really don't understand is like, I would say being from here, if you were to come here from America and you wanted to have the quintessential high tea, cream tea, English experience, you go to York. There's mm. no debate. It's so much more what you want to have. It is beautiful. It's a tradition. For example, Harry Classic. Potter, for example, filmed outside of London for most of Harry Potter to yeah. give you quintessential England. So therefore, I end the debate. England, England, Britain really starts outside of London. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. So what Londoners have a problem with the North is basically they have a problem with the UK. <laughs> Do you see you what I'm saying? Like well, it's funny because in the debate they're having on the Unilad thing, he was the, the guys from London and she's from the North, the, the girl in the interview. He's basically saying, like, we have better food here because we're more adventurous. All your food is non-British, mate. Yeah. What you are justifying is international food. Mm -hmm. And if you're telling me that you don't think Manchester has that and you don't think Liverpool has that and you don't think York or Leeds has that, you're crazy. 
you obviously got ridiculous friends that took you only to the campus or something. They never showed you the city because there's some great food scenes, especially in the north, you know? Mm. I think Gordon Ramsay, his favorite restaurant or something, when he had that competition, best restaurant, they won it and they were northern. They're from Blackburn or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So anyway, I will end this podcast on saying, because I could go into North and South forever, I'll probably wait for it until my friend from Liverpool is here and we can have our own back at London. Uh, <laughs> Dave, if you're listening, shout out. Uh, we're better at football in the North. That's <laughs> okay. without a shadow of a doubt. Um, because Manchester's two teams are one and two. I, I hate to admit that United are above us, but they are. But well done, Man City. If you are from uh, Manchester and you're a supporter of Manchester City, not the other one that makes me vomit all over the floor when I say it, uh, well done. Because we've obviously given you the league this year. We felt ill. And a lot of our team's overexhausted. <laughs> it's been horrible. It's been horrible. You win the Premier League and then the year after, you have your team breaks. You need a holiday. We we all need... A, we need life to resume i think but it's really just a nod to say what power supporters have Mm. liverpool is a club that is run by its supporters really and you do miss them so anyway it's well done man city you've blatantly won the premier league unless something crazy happens Mm. but uh it's pretty awesome to see united in in the top flight and I, i i say that and I'm going to have to say a lot of prayers now because I've just sold my soul to the devil, literally, because that's what they're called, uh, the Red Devils. Oh. It's cool to see it because, like, honestly, it was getting pretty boring when there was a monopoly in London because the gloating's worse when it's a London team. So like you had Chelsea and Arsenal running for the trophy every year. I just think the North is a very special place for folks, and if you come in, you should totally check out these places, you know, because there are... There's a different vibe to them, Mm -hmm. you know? So we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, We will get back to the weekly format. We're we're having a bit of work done because we're building a studio. That's exciting, right? Hey! And when we are back full time, you know, week by week, you know, we're going to try and do more things with videos and such. But we need the world to be normal because we need to get our stuff. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, that's crazy. Anyway, be safe, everyone out there in the world listening. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks. Take care. <laughs>